one custom car care. All right, good morning and welcome. You got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Miss Sarah, how's the world treating you? It's good. How are you? Good. Have you driven by the corner of Fort and Sunshine lately? I have not, but we did the big announcement last week. Mm-hmm. They are doing concrete work this week. Very exciting. They're doing the footers for the bays. They're doing the plumbing for the, you know, the whole facility. We are reusing some of the old come and go. Um, we're going to have a training facility in there to where we can host about 30 technicians, service advisors, store managers, as well as a classroom setting that opens up into three heated and air-conditioned bays. When did we talk about the grand opening? I don't. I know you don't have an official date We're yet. shooting for the fall, so okay. October, November, somewhere in there, depending on how the, world, <laughs> how the world turns, I guess. As far as supplies, the contractor we've got is absolutely rock star awesome. The design, the architecture, so excited about it. And then the first initial Dirtwork team, uh, it's actually Dirtworks is the company out there doing our footers and, you know, all the underground stuff. Those guys are killing it over there. So, so excited about that. We did have a conceptual, I guess, drawing made, if you will. Mm -hmm. And we had it put up on a big piece of vinyl. And it's actually out there at the corner. Nobody gawk and wreck. We don't want any wrecks out there. Uh, But it is uh, on the fence. So if anybody wants to see a conceptual drawing of it, be safe. Be safe. Be safe. Again, be safe. Uh, But it is at the intersection. It is up there so people can see what it's going to look like. Very cool. Yeah. Do you have a photo of it? I don't have. I should have a photo of yeah, it. Yeah, grab a photo okay. and I'll put it up on our yeah, on our social. Definitely. I'll see. We may have that conceptual drawing in a like PDF file that we could send over. So okay. I will definitely try and do that. But what we are doing over there, the four bays <clears throat> that I've worked at forever, Jason, Macy, David, David. We have two Davids over there. Um, Cody and now Kevin. Uh, they're all over there. Those building or that building is going to stay. We're going to keep utilizing it. It's been a great shop for us. We've taken good care of it over the years. But we're going to add an additional seven bays. We're going to be able to do ADOS calibrations. Did we go over what ADOS was, Sarah? Yes, we did. So that will be the advanced driver assist, the blind spot monitoring, backup, radar, cruise adaptive cruise control, etc. We will be one of the first facilities in Springfield to be able to do that. Very cool. Um, if you're in need of it now, our sunset location, Darren is the guy that's taking care of our ADOS calibrations over there. If you have an alignment done, if you have the front bumper taken care of, uh, suspension, steering uh, repairs, and you have a late model vehicle, there are a lot of folks out there doing those repairs and not recalibrating the ADOS system. So what that means and why A1 Custom Car Care jumped right in the middle of it before a lot of other people is that if you do that work and you don't recalibrate that system, your blind spot monitoring is going to be off, your backup radar system will be off, your adaptive cruise control, um, your lane keep assist, and potentially we're seeing cars that are not keeping in the lane, not telling you somebody's in your blind spot, etc., and causing accidents. And I don't want to be a part of that. If we do service for your vehicle and it's an ADOS calibrated car, we are going to take care of it correctly. So that's the long and short, but our new facility will have it. We will do tires and alignments there, which we don't do at our itty bitty Fort Street store right now. 
And uh, we will have the ability and capacity to service a tremendous amount of more Southwest Missouri folks. So, well, that is exciting. It is. And, you know, we have been working on this for over two years. This has been a long time coming to get to this point. Um, <clears throat> we run into some issues with it being an old gas station. That was the, the reason it took so long to make this happen. But thankfully, uh, you know, we were persistent and able to get and acquire the property and make sure that it's all in good shape, being as it was an old gas station, and then start the conceptual drawings, jump through all the hoops with the city, which was quite an adventure. I bet. And uh, they modified my building a little bit, which kind of bummed me out, but we are getting it done, so I'm happy about that. And then uh, we're going to be pretty much a state-of-the-art uh, facility at that point. It's a awesome. big deal. Yeah, it's no kidding. Deal. I'd love to hear what some folks think out there, if they've got some ideas or whatever. How do they hit us up and give us feedback here at the show? Sure. So the best way to reach out to us is on our text line. That phone number is 417-447-5743. Once again, that is 417-447-5743. And you can just shoot us a text message. Um, I'll see it. You'll get to see it. And we'll make sure to get it addressed. I really enjoy the feedback from the folks, whether it's positive or negative. I mean, lay it on me. We'll, We'll deal with it and we'll move on. So... Miss Sarah, you've got a bunch to go over today. I do. <clears throat> but one of the stories we talked about before we get into too much of that, you were up in arms a few weeks ago about Ford pulling out and basically deleting AM frequencies on their new cars. Yeah. You were outraged. I am outraged. Apparently Ford heard you. Do they you listened think so? to the show. They're like, oh God, <laughs> she's really mad. <laughs> But the government stepped in and basically said, hey, you can't do that because, and you actually educated me tremendously, and I heard from a lot of the listeners, by the way, um, that they were unaware of a lot of that, that the emergency broadcast system is very strongly linked to the AM frequencies. And I didn't know that. Yeah. So this being your wheelhouse, I appreciate you. Because initially when you said they're getting rid of AM, I think if you remember, I was like, meh, you know, who cares? And you're like, well, I care. Right. A lot. AM radio, it is, you know, a lot of places, FM is is king, but yeah. there are still a lot of markets. In fact, a lot of markets that are in bigger cities. Mm-hmm. So your New York and mm-hmm. your Dallas, Texas, and all of your places in California, a, a lot of those bigger cities, AM is actually the top wow. stations. And AM, even though it is a little bit more grainy, it is a lot stronger mm-hmm. of a signal. And FM was created to kind of get rid of that that graininess sound, but it doesn't carry as well. And I gave the example of whenever you drive down to Branson, mm-hmm. and even the strongest signals that we have, like KTTS, our mm-hmm. sister station, you can hear KTTS almost across yeah. southwest Missouri. But whenever you're driving through Branson, it cuts in mm-hmm. and out. And it's because FM has a harder time going through things, essentially. So it has a hard time going through those mountains and mm-hmm. those curves and those dips where AM, it stands pretty strong. You know, it'll have a little bit of your interference, but it still is is pretty great and to get rid of that altogether is an absolute shame and it it's kind of uncalled for just because they were wanting to push evs a little bit more and they're like well you know it kind of interferes with our ev well okay figure it out it's like okay so 
uh, I understand your problem, mm-hmm. but whenever you use a radio station to do amber alerts and blue alerts and severe yeah. weather, those things are important. Well, and you know, you know what the first and second rule about prepping is. We talk about that a lot, and I like to sprinkle that throughout the show because I hope more people are prepared. If you can handle yourself versus having to rely on somebody else, uh, whether it's government or individual or neighbor, whatever it is, you're going to be better off. And one of the things that I got to really look it in after you brought a lot of this up is we always keep a family band radio mm-hmm. that has an AM, FM receiver and shortwave. And it's really so we're not essentially ignorant if the internet goes down, that we can still get information because nobody likes being ignorant. If I walk into a room and I'm the most ignorant person there, I'm probably need to be listening instead of talking. So if a emergency happens, I am very thankful that I guess you brought me up to speed on the AM side of things. And so I've been looking into that a little bit more on my personal stuff. And I'm sure I bring this up, and I think every time I do, you're like, well, you know, I was still a little kid then. But when we had the ice storm, obviously, that was a big event. That's how I actually listened to KSGF the first time. It was during the event. The ice storm. Mm -hmm. That was a huge event. And I'm sure many of you out there, everybody that I talked to that didn't live here then, they kind of poke fun a little bit of like, wow, that was like a, a mark on Springfield, Missouri and, and, you know, Southwest Missouri that everybody kind of bases their timeline off of that particular event. Well, I want to make sure that, hey, if we're without radio, with uh, without Internet, if you're not being able to power your Wi-Fi or your cell phone data is down, I still want to be able to get information. So the fact that our shortwave has AM, FM, and shortwave in it, and you can at least listen and stay informed. I remember during that time there was different relief things that would pop up in parking lots where they would have water generators, you know, different things here for folks to be able to, you know, sustain or deal with some of the catastrophic things that went on. Um, I think it was Ida Bell, Oklahoma, just got hit with tornadoes, I think, last month. Obviously, everybody knows about Harrison. That was just such a tragic uh, direct hit to Harrison, Arkansas. You know, so that information being able to be pushed out there to where you know what's going on, you know what's coming, hopefully, um, you know, in in the shape of a tornado or, or other catastrophic events, you had better be informed because even if you didn't know it, still can be very costly. But Sarah and I are going to step into a break. We'll be right back after this. Your complete car care solution. A1 Custom Car Care. All right. Welcome back, Sarah Dustin. A1 Custom Car Care. Give us a little, little car talk. You got some stories over there. I do. I see California at the top of that one. I do. Okay. I'm going to hold off on this oh, one because I came across this suspense. one. Yes. This one's kind of interesting. Okay. Title is There Are Only Three New Cars Priced Under $20,000 Now. Crazy. Isn't that crazy? So the article says new vehicle sales prices are fell they fell below MSRP in March for the first time in nearly two years. Thank goodness. Yeah, and you know, of course they cite supply chain issues, but cars and trucks are still, you know, far mm-hmm. from cheap. The average price paid for a new vehicle was forty eight thousand dollars in March, according to wow, Kelly Blue 50 Book. Grand. Yeah. Fifty thousand bucks. And here's the crazy part. That was a drop of five hundred and fifty dollars oh. from the 
prior month. Now, prices are expected to continue their downward trend, but uh, are unlikely to reach the 37,736 average mm-hmm. that they were at March of 2020. Fox Business, they cite that might not happen anytime soon, if ever again. Uh, so, of course, you know, they they blame inflation, mm-hmm. um, but also because many automakers have been focusing on building more of their most profitable high-end trims and discontinuing their lowest price models mm-hmm. altogether. The most inexpensive vehicle offered by an American brand is the new 2024 Chevrolet Trax SUV, which is $21,495, following the end of production for the $14,595 Chevy Spark hatchback last year. Along with cuts by other brands, there are only three vehicles left on sale with starting prices, including delivery fees, below 20000 So the vehicles are the Kia Rio mm-hmm. or the Rio 5. It starts at $17,875. Wow. Uh, the next one is the Mitsubishi Mirage or the Mirage G4. That starts at 17340 And then the Nissan Versa, which is priced at $16,925. Hmm. I just, I read that and I thought, that is unbelievable. I know that, I just in my lifetime, I know that you could buy a used car or a new car for like, ten thousand dollars yeah and i think that's what my my mom paid whenever she purchased her brand new um she got a dodge stratus Mm -hmm. a 2005 dodge stratus she was so excited it had like (laughs) eight miles on it and i think she paid twelve thousand dollars but i hear her talk about you know growing up and they paid hundred dollars for a vehicle seventy dollars things like that so just seventeen thousand and that's the cheap version it's unreal you know, the the more I think about that stuff, and I don't just stop at the price anymore. I think about how many hours of my life I have to trade yes. to pay that $17,000, $25,000 vehicle off. And <clears throat> I hate to say it, but a lot of those lower-end vehicles, they fall into that category that I talk about quite a bit about them being disposable. You know, you're not going to get three or 400,000 miles out of those vehicles without several repowers or powertrain replacements. And it's really not feasible because putting an engine or transmission in a $17,000 car, you know, sometimes six to 8,000 bucks, you know, if you're going to do 50% of the value of the vehicle, it just doesn't make sense. As well as a lot of times, folks that buy those don't have the means or choose not to to keep a lot of the upkeep and, uh, you know, longevity or preventative failure on those vehicles. So even if you buy one of those used, typically they're in way worse neglected condition than you buy an upper trim package, you know, whatever, whether it's a Lexus, whether it's a, you know, whatever you want to call that. So you not only have to consider that, that really when you buy one of those, by the time they're paid off, they're very used up. And if you buy one of those lower end vehicles pre-owned, chances are the person that had it before didn't take very good care of it. And you're going to be saddled with some of those indiscretions and the results of the neglect. So that's a real shame that it's that much money for a disposable vehicle. And 
you know, as bad as it is, and I hate it, spending more on a vehicle um, that I can potentially do a repower on and get 15 or 20 years worth of service out of it, that's a lot of where I'm coming from when I'm talking about all the my perceptions of vehicles, I guess. So I don't want to always have a car payment. I haven't had a car payment in several years at this point, and it's not like a mechanic flex or anything like that. It's just how I choose to take care of my stuff to where I can allocate that budget to other things. You know, right now I do have a tractor payment. I'm close to getting it paid off. It was a seven-year loan, I think. Um, I'm real close. Uh, Terry out there at the tractor barn, she was fantastic. Did a great job taking care of us. I actually sent a good friend of mine over there. We both bought tractors at roughly the same time. Took great care of him as well. That's not a paid endorsement. That's just my experience of how I spent my money. The reason I was able to do the business with Terry at the tractor barn was because I didn't have a truck payment. Now, I'm getting pretty close to step back in the truck payment world, but I haven't had a payment in over seven years, which I really love and enjoy. And that's how I approach a lot of the mindset of the repairs that A1 Custom Car Care does. Um, I very much want to drive my vehicles for many years, paid off, and enjoy them. And typically when I'm needing to upgrade, it's not because whatever I've got's wore out or clapped out. It's because I need more capability, and that's really what I'm at right now. Um, I do have a one-ton diesel that I do a lot of towing with. Things fantastic, but it's not comfortable for the missus and my little one. So <laughs> we're having to kind of upgrade that a little bit to where it's a little more comfortable and fits our lifestyle a little bit better, and so we're going to do so. But that's at least options. I'm not backed in a corner buying you know, a vehicle that I probably overpaid for had you you know, not seeing some of the declines. Sarah, I heard a uh, an interesting thing from the repossession market that I thought I would share with you. Okay. So when you study like recessions and depressions, a lot of the fun things are what go first before the whole dominoes or the house of cards falls down. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So uh, Harley-Davidson has been a American company for many years, you know, the brand recognition that they have built to the point that people will tattoo their logo on themselves is really an amazing thing. They are running out of people that can repossess their motorcycles fast enough. Wow. And so if you had to venture a guess, and I, I'm sure you know where I'm going with this, what do you think that's going to do to the prices of Harley-Davidson's? It's going to be just terrible because, you know... Because you know what's coming next uh-huh. after that, too. Yeah. That's an easy one to get rid of. Your boat's an yep. easy one to get rid of. Your four-wheelers, mm-hmm. things like that. But then they're going to start coming for your farm equipment yeah. and then your vehicles. Oh, yeah. And then, God forbid, some of those bigger things like your house. Yeah. If we're not a student of history, and I'm not a fan of, you know, the education system rewriting history to fit whoever's narrative, how about we just report what happened? Yeah. You know. That, I don't think I it's too much to ask. Just how about this? Why don't we quit lying mm-hmm. about yeah. everything's hunky-dory? It's yeah. fine when everything around us is on fire. Exactly. And so you look at these bellwethers, and I I wouldn't say I'm the most educated person, but I spend a lot of time trying to look at the recession around 08 to 2010, 
uh, was it 1982 to 84 when inflation got really rampant and crazy. You look at the Great Depression. You look at um, how the global economy, uh, you know, is so much different, more impactful. We had better be looking at some of these foreign markets because we're tied to a lot of these foreign markets as well. But my point of this whole deal is if the first bellwether, the first domino, which I would argue there's been more than just one, but the fact that these fun things are being repossessed, and you're exactly right, the marine market's going to be the next thing, because I guarantee if I'm a family and I'm sitting there like, hey, I can keep my, my house and my truck, or I can make a boat payment. Well, I'm probably not making that boat payment. I'm going to be the guy fishing from the bank, which... In all fairness, I have caught probably more fish from the bank than I have out of a boat. Just saying. Um, I've watched a lot of those guys out there where I'm fishing from the bank cleaning up, and they're uh, not getting anything out there in the boat. So, you know, take that with what it is. You know, you don't have to have a boat to go fishing. And you're going to let the boat go. You're going to let the Harley go. You're going to let the, you know, whatever fun extra, the camper, the credit cards. And they're... There's going to be a surplus in those pre-owned markets to give us some options out there. You know, we have all been looking at the used car market the last few years. You and I have reported on this a bunch. It's been brutal to buy a used car. Yeah, it has. I mean, there was nothing. Yeah. You had to literally find it and make a deal as quick as possible. Otherwise, it was gone. Yeah. So whenever I purchase my vehicle, I'm sure I probably mentioned this, but I'll mention it again. Uh, I test drove it the day that I bought it Mm -hmm. because I had my husband go out there because he had the time to do it. He went out there, test drove it, and then took it for a pre-purchase inspection. Mm -hmm. You guys gave it the green light, and then I went and test drove it and purchased it that day. Because you went. didn't have any choice. It's no. not like you could shop around because it had been gone. Yeah. The the tides are turning, so we need to keep kind of informed on this. But we're down at the bottom of the hour. We're going to pick it up on the other side of the break. The Complete Car Care Solution. A1 Custom Car Care. Welcome back, Sarah and Dustin. A1 Custom Car Care. We're going to talk about uh, the old California. California. Dun, 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 dun. Maybe I'll make that the bumper music. Do it. For this. Do I it. might. Okay. California approves banning diesel truck sales by 2036. What a grand idea, have, California. Have you heard this? Yes. Okay. So. It's a, such a... So there's actually a lot... Uh, there is a silver lining for everybody that doesn't live in California. Not only that you don't live in California... But the vehicles, there's some good diesel vehicles coming out of California that they had to sell Hmm. because they will not issue registration, I believe, on 2012 and older. Okay. So there's some good deals on good, clean, rust-free trucks coming out of California. Um, So if you're in the market, that's something you should pay attention to. But I guarantee this... uh, this uh, news article you've got is going to add to that surplus. So let me read to you. California air regulators approved regulation last week to ban the sale of traditional combustion trucks that run on diesel by 2036 in the state. Known as advanced clean fleets, this action puts the Golden State on the path toward fully transitioning medium and heavy duty trucks to zero emission technology by 2045. Now, major fleet operators have also the option to begin that process next year. Hmm. 
Big rigs, local delivery, and government fleets must transition by 2035. Garbage trucks and local buses must be zero emission by 2039. And all other vehicles covered by the rule must be zero emission by 2042, according to the office of Governor Gavin Newsom. This is nothing but an additional tax. It really is. And it's not just going to affect California. With that being one of our largest ports that we get goods and services, export and import, from California, we have got to do something to get a port that cuts California out of this uh, loop. They really have a stronghold on all of us, and it's going to drive up prices significantly. I'd love to sit here and tell you as somebody that, you know, has a part of several businesses, when you have regulations that put more cost of doing business on your business, it's not the business that ends up paying for that because the business will go out of business. How many times can I say business in this segment? But uh, the, the point is, is the consumer is the end receiver of these additional regulations because if I have to sell my fleet of trash trucks or school buses or public transit buses or over-the-road freight haulers because I can no longer do business in the state of California, then somebody's got to pay for the replacement fleet here. And it's not the government dollars. They've sent all those overseas and given them to everybody but us here in the States, which is not their money to do so, by the way. But I digress. The advancements in the diesel side of the world. I mean, Sarah, have you heard of late model diesel lately? Mm-hmm. You know, the old ones, they used to like rattle, rattle, thunder, clatter. I mean, I have some older seven threes that you cannot order through the drive through without shutting the truck off. Yeah. The new ones, they're quiet. You don't smell diesel. You don't hear it. The fuel economy is pretty good. I'm not crazy about the emission systems as far as the reliability. That's a big problem still. But to cut them out of the ability to do business in the state of California is the people coming up with these red tape or legislation are so out of touch with what it costs to live a normal blue-collar lifestyle that it really irks me that they're the ones making the decisions on this because it's not going to affect them. They're not going to worry about the price of gas or the price of diesel or the price of eggs or the price of milk because they got people that do all that for them. They're so detached from day-to-day reality. And the fact that anybody lives in the state of California, I'm just bewildered at this point. It is truly um, going off the rails, in my humble opinion. So one of the things that it says, the article that I have here, it talks about other rules and regulations that California has been adding. You know, the Biden administration did something, I believe, earlier this year. There's been a lot of talks about hybrids and EVs transitioning all of that and by 10 years or something like that. Sure. I I like the end of this article. Some in the truck industry are concerned that the rule will increase prices uh, for goods that are trucked. And the American Trucking Association is just calling the rule unrealistic, which it is. is. And this is what they say. We hope the board will reverse this course Mm -hmm. and allow trucking companies the freedom to choose the clean technologies that work best for their operations. It's noted that emissions from trucks have already gone down drastically in recent decades. So what you're mentioning has, I can literally, I mean, we're not an emissions area, but um, 
I have a few techs other than myself, but we do a fair amount of emissions testing, uh, not necessarily for the same reasons that they are, but if you have poor emissions coming out, I need to be able to track backwards of what's causing that poor emissions to fix runability, drivability issues, fuel economy issues. That's a normal thing that we do all the time in the shops. And so I can flat tell you, and just in life, you can smell the difference of standing next to a late model vehicle, gas or diesel, by the way it sounds, by the way it smells. I mean, they have decreased the emissions drastically on these vehicles, which has driven up the price. That's why an average vehicle now has gone from, you know, 10000 to, what was the average, like $48,000 mm-hmm. or something like that. So part of that has been some advancements in technologies, emissions, creature comforts, etc. But to just flat out band it all together it is not going to work. The infrastructure, the technology is not there right now. And they're going to do all this. They're going to raise prices. They're going to disable a lot of good um, vehicles. You know, the cash for clunkers was the same thing. There were some beautiful vehicles that they sent to the junkyard for no other reason than to get them off and get you into debt with another vehicle. I'm being a little cynical today, but, you know, I'm just giving it to you how I feel it. It just amazes me that California is able to get away with some of this stuff and there's, you know, little to no uproar. Maybe I'm not in California and there is an uproar, but... You know, if I've taken good care of my older vehicle, gas or diesel, I want to get as much out of that as possible. And the fact that somebody can come at me and say, hey, nope, you can't have that anymore. We're going to take it away. And you have to have an EV vehicle really irks me. It's just crazy. And I'm not anti-EV. We've been doing some hybrid work there at the shop recently. We do some light-duty diesel. If you're um, one of our you know preferred folks that we take care of your vehicle, um, our sunset location is diving into the diesel world. Um, we've been doing some service there, basically trying to save one truck at a time. You know, when I look at buying a new pickup and I've been looking pretty hard, I've shared that on the show and eventually I'm going to get one. I know everybody's probably sick of hearing me talk about it, but I'm not backed into a corner. So I'm playing my cards to get exactly what I want and hopefully get the best deal possible and be able to drive it for the next minimum 10 years, but preferably 20 years comfortably. And there's a lot to being said to where when I was a kid, you couldn't do that. At 10 years, pretty much they were clapped out and roached out and you could buy them for two, 300 bucks and they were done. But now a 20-year-old vehicle with 400,000 miles, that's still a pretty good vehicle. There's still a lot of value there. And there's no reason to pull the rug out from under somebody that spent their hard-earned money buying, maintaining, and, and enjoying something that's been paid off for a decade at this point. I mean, that's that's truly the end goal, or at least where my head's at most of the time. So the fact that they can do this really irks me. Do you ever see this happening here in Missouri? Do you think they could do it? I don't think so. I pray to God that they don't. It amazes me that so much, even, you know, you look at what kind of some of the things going on in Texas, some things going on in Idaho, you know, people leave California and then they bring that, riffraff or trash with them. And I know there's good people in California. So if you're from Cali and you're a good, uh, common sense minded person, you're my favorite. I appreciate you very much. But if you're going to leave a place and then contaminate the next place you go to with the same politics, yeah. stop it. Yeah. Don't leave a place because you don't like what's yeah. happening around you, but then you don't leave those policies with yeah. you. 
especially when they don't make good sense. Yeah. You know, the fact of the, you know, back in the day, you had to have some experience, some real life world experience. You know, you ran a business or you were successful in the community and then you got elected to some kind of a official for the best uh, outlook for that community. You had experience to fall back on. A lot of these folks now have zero experience. They were groomed through the education system. They have no practical, real-world work uh, to fall back to or draw from when they make these decisions. You know, I hate to say it, but it sure seems like the lobbyists are greasing the wheels and they're getting this stuff pushed through because it's a buddy of a buddy or it's a family of this or that. And, you know, us as the normal blue-collar folks are the ones that are getting to finance these poor decisions. Uh, but we are going to step into a break. We'll be right back after that. California. Your complete car care solution. A1 Custom Car Care. All right. Welcome back. Sarah Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. What other stories do we have to go over? We picked on California pretty hard. Well, we're so. going to pick on Stellantis, too. Stellantis. Okay. So Stellantis is offering tens of thousands of workers buyout offers. You hear about this? Mm, I have not as of yet. Okay. So tens of thousands of Stellantis workers in the U.S. will soon receive buyout offers from the automaker. Mm. The company confirmed Wednesday that a total of 33,500 workers in the United States, including 31,000 hourly and 2,500 salaried, will receive offers of voluntary separation programs. Now, Stellantis headcount at the end of 2022 totaled over 272,000 workers, including more than 88,800 in North America, according to its latest annual report. So they're going to be knocking out quite a a few in the United States. Now, um, a gentleman from the United Auto Workers Union, he describes Stellantis' move as a slap in the face to our members, their families, their communities, and the American people who saved this company 15 years ago in a statement. Yeah. Now, I need to find why. Where did it go? Oh, here it is. So this is why they're doing the buyout. Mm. In response to today's increasingly competitive global market conditions and the necessary shift to electrification, Stellantis is thoroughly reviewing its North American operations to improve efficiency, reduce cost, and protect the competitiveness of our products to allow for further strategic investments to support our transformations. To help that effort, the company is announcing that it's offering the voluntary separation programs to certain non-represented and respected employees. Hmm. So that's why they're cutting like half of the workers in the U.S. That's such a shame. You think about that. It's not just, you know, the one person that works there. That's their family, most yeah. cases, that they're supporting and paying taxes for, et cetera, et cetera. And this giant push, you know, uh, we kind of picked on Ford a little bit earlier, but you know, they're even upset with the red regulations that are being put on them because, A, they can't build the vehicles, they can't get material, they can't support them. If, God forbid, you you own one and you have a problem with some of those components that are really hard to source and build, 
you could be without your vehicle for months and months and months before you get it back that you're paying on it oh, still. Oh, so uh, side note there. So I got a recall notice for my car. Mm-hmm. I have one of the cars that it falls under one of those categories where you can go steal it. So don't steal my car, right. I swear. Um, but I got a recall on it, but it was telling me that it's like months mm-hmm. out. So I can call the dealer now and get it scheduled, but... They're not going to promise right. anything for months on end. Yeah. And thank God we don't live in St. Louis or your card probably be gone already. I know. Or Kansas City or whatever. So, But I keep it pretty locked in key. So. That's, that's very yep. good. I, I park it in my garage and I park it in the gated area mm-hmm. whenever I possibly can. So, Whatever proactive okay, or to make yourself not an easy target, you know, everybody out there needs to be more situationally aware. And that's fantastic mm-hmm. that you're... You're getting in front of that deal instead of behind it. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of folks out there, there's a lot of videos on the Challengers and the Chargers out there. Apparently, there's a ton of those being oh, stolen. Oh, I don't think I've seen those. Uh, they have, I think they can be in and gone within like seconds Whoa. on those cars. So the the day and age of the intelligent criminal is definitely here. And they're putting this stuff out on YouTube and TikTok and all that crazy shenanigans. So you had better be an informed consumer because just because you didn't know your vehicle could be stolen easy, easily doesn't mean that it, uh, you know, they're going to return it back to you after you're standing there. And sitting at gas stations, that's another place I'm seeing a lot of cars being stolen at. You know, you you remember the old movie Gone in 60 Seconds? Mm-hmm. You know, the have you ever seen the, the uh, Nicolas Cage? cage version of that one i think that that's the one that i've actually watched that's that's a very uh, it's an entertaining movie but they steal like 150 cars in one night or whatever uh the rings that are around right now are doing it and they're doing it big so we all need to be very very proactive as much as possible Miss Sarah, I see something over there about our Dodge folks. You know how I like to pick on Dodge people. Yep. So another Stellantis <laughs> story here. 131,000 Ram pickup trucks recalled. So here's what's going on with this recall. The recall concerns an issue related to the powertrain control module software that could cause an incorrect fuel mixture condition in the engine mm. of affected vehicles. The number of 2021 Ram pickups with 5.7 LE torque engines potentially impacted uh, totals around 131,700. They were produced in a time frame spanning June 2020 to September 2021. Now, the recall notice said that the incorrect fuel mixture condition that affected the pickup trucks may experience could result in them suffering an engine stall Mm -hmm. that may result in unexpected loss of power while driving which can cause a vehicle crash to address the recall the impacted vehicles will receive updated powertrain control module calibration software at no cost and they will be sending those recalls out for the vehicles that are affected here in the next couple of weeks the good news with that is 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 it being a software issue as part as opposed to a hard part replacement there really shouldn't be much of a you know lag on that you show up there they do the update and you move on you know there's not a hey i gotta build it i gotta engineer it i gotta figure out why it was bad and improve that design none of that's really going to need to happen so good call for dodge on that one that they're 
able to do a software update and fix that. And I don't know if I said this or not. It's Ram 1500 pickup trucks. So any of our half-ton folks out there, yep. you know, I pick on Dodge quite a bit, but, uh, you know, it's it's all in good fun. I have been a Ford guy forever, so if y'all don't think I've gotten plenty of flack over that, uh, <laughs> I can assure you, all my friends, a close family, anytime they get a good Ford meme, that they're sending it my way. So, no, it's all in good fun, and um, I appreciate what Dodge has been able to do. I'm glad to hear that they're they're stepping up to the plate and dealing with that, as where a lot of manufacturers don't or won't. So, well done there. And then I have another really quick story. Okay. So, I get tons of emails throughout the week, and I'm signed up for tons when it comes to uh, news in the automotive mm-hmm. industry because I... I don't know. I just like to try to keep informed. And one of the things that popped up in my email, uh, I guess it was a couple days ago, catalytic converter thefts spike over 2,200% in Missouri during a three-year period. Mm -hmm. So been verified, which they they monitor things like this. They say that Missouri ranks 30th for the number of catalytic converter thefts per 100K registered automobiles. Wow. Yeah. So check this out. 2019, there was around 37 um, catalytic theft numbers. 2020, 289. 2021, 927. And 2022, 851. So that that totals up to that 2,200% wow. increase. Isn't My, that insane? It, it really is. It's, it's unbelievable. I love repairing broken things. I truly, truly do. Like, that's the why I'm in this business. But repairing vandalized things yes. really irks me. I don't get enjoyment out of knowing some probably drug user vandalized more than likely a hardworking person's transportation and then sold it for pennies on the dollar of what it costs to replace it. It absolutely drives me up a wall. Now, have we fixed a lot of them? Yes. The reason that we really pushed hard to be able to be somebody that could do that is because we have the custom fabrication skills, beings we've been a core custom exhaust shop for decades at this point, that we can repair those cars cheaper than a lot of other shops because they don't have the fabrication ability to build the system that had been vandalized as opposed to what most shops or dealers have to do is order all those parts from the manufacturer and you're replacing components because they sell them in big sections instead of just being able to weld in new converters, oxygen sensors, and O2 bosses. So unbelievable that there are that many essentially dirt bags out there crawling underneath your car instead of going and getting a real job. And here's the thing that I should note by this report from Ben Verified. So the number of actual thefts estimated is just based on insured thefts. Mm-hmm. And the number is probably much, oh, it is. Is much, much higher. I can speak from experience. If your deductible is $1,000 and it costs 800 to fix it, it doesn't make any sense. Right. You're paying that out of pocket. So... There has been a lot of insurance claims, and we've dealt with those there at A1, you know, all of our facilities. But the amount of folks that just had to foot the bill out of pocket is probably the majority instead of the minority. Yeah. As well as the insurance companies took enough of a hit on it that they raised their rates to offset the hit. This is no different than what we were talking about with California. And they put clauses in there that, hey, we've paid out on this vandalism claim already. We won't pay out if it happens again. Yes, I remember talking about that. It's unreal that they're going to do that. And the fact that people are continuing to do it, just it boggles my mind. I should no longer be surprised 
that people can be that underhanded, but unfortunately, I still am. It sucks. It but does. You know what else sucks? We're officially at a show. Dun, dun, dun. I know. So if you're out there in Radio Land, you have a question for either of us, you can shoot us a text on our text line. That phone number is 417-447-5743, or you can reach out to us on our social media at 1041KSGF. Dustin, I hope you have a good rest of your weekend. You as well. Be safe. Bye. It is critical we keep AM radio in all cars and all trucks. Sean Hannity here. More than 80 million Americans depend on AM radio. It is the backbone of the emergency alert system, and that keeps us safe in dangerous times because when cell and Internet services are down, AM radio might be your only lifeline. Now text AM to the number 52886. Tell Congress that we need AM radio in our cars. Text AM to 52886 today. Standard message and data rates apply.